Thanks, Hillary. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, we are uh, brought to you by Keeps. Keeps.com. Keeps. Mm-hmm. Keeps, keeps, keeps will help keep your hair. That's why they oh call it God. Keeps. Mm-hmm. Is that really? Because yeah, I it. just realized that. I yeah. Thought, huh. If your hair isn't looking maybe as full as it used to, mm-hmm. or maybe you're noticing a couple hairs in the sink or the, the shower. Do they have anything you could rub on your nose so the hair doesn't grow in your nose or your ears? <laughs> I don't know. We'll have to ask him about like that. that. I'd like to keep my hair on my head and mm-hmm. lose the hair in my ears. Yeah, that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. Um, except yeah. if you go to Keeps. If you go to Keeps, you can have uh, FDA-recommended uh, hair-approved, uh, hair, uh, FDA-approved hair loss treatments. Mm. Um, but uh, Keeps offers the generic versions about half the cost. They make it very easy. You can do it at your house. All you have to do is snap a couple pictures of your hair, not your nose hair. Yeah. Don't do that. I can't help you on that. Don't send them a picture. Your wife of your is supposed hair. to help you on that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, she's just supposed to say, you've got gross hair in your nose and you got to get it cut. <laughs> um, anyway, keeps. Just go to keeps.com slash save. You'll save 50% on your first order of keeps. Hair loss treatments. Really simple. You don't have to you, you don't even have to leave the comfort of your own. That's right, Hermit. Uh, keeps. K-E-E-P-S dot com. Go there now and save 50%. Uh, make sure you use the uh, keeps.com slash save URL. this little theory that when people are at Davos, you know, uh, flying in the corporate jet and, uh, and and just skiing at night, partying away, and then talking about the little people and how we can help. When they're so busy and they are meeting with world leaders and the partner of Klaus Schwab he is the guy who runs the World Economic Forum. When they are in their big week meeting with prime ministers, heads of corporation, leaders of state, when they take their time to do a thread directly at me because of something I said yesterday on the program, ha, huh, I must be on to something. Why would you take time from all of the pate there at Davos to respond to a guy on the radio? Hmm. I'm going to give you the response. I'm going to tell you what I said. Give the response. (laughs) Then I'm going to use their definitions of this new capitalism that we're all going to love. And you tell me if, uh, using their own words, this is something we're all going to love. Yes. Klaus, Klaus, and Peter, I'm going to respond to you, as I apparently now know you're listening. The truth behind the Great Reset in 60 seconds. The Glenn Beck Program. So Janice lives in uh, Texas. She's been a substitute teacher, you know, her whole life. Uh, she has to climb stairs every day, and um, she said that there were times I, 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 I just couldn't do it anymore. I had to refuse to go to class. 
Well, let me tell you something, Janice. I know you live in Texas, so it's not the same, but you can refuse. If you live in California or, or, you know, or Illinois, you could refuse to go to class because it's so unsafe because of COVID there. Anyway, uh, she actually wanted to go to class. She developed pain in her hips, her knees, her back, just got worse and worse every day. She heard me talking about relief factor. She was skeptical at first, but eventually she was like, I got nothing to lose. Within the first three weeks, she tells us, she found that not only was she able to climb the steps pain-free, but she was bounding up them. She said relief factor made her feel young again, and she got out of pain. She got her life back. Janice, I'm sorry that you're now bounding up the stairs, because I don't, I mean, take the elevator. You know what I mean? I wish I had the excuse. Um, but uh, you got your life back. Congratulations, and thank you so much for just trying it. That's what you have to do. To get out of pain. I know you've tried a million things. Just try it for three weeks. 70% of the people who try it for three weeks go on to order more because it works for them. Relieffactor.com. 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. It's relieffactor.com. And then they have shareholder capitalism, which does not work. And so we must have stakeholder capitalism. Oh, this is great. Now, they've released a little chart yesterday because they say what what I'm saying is completely wrong. And what I'm saying is uh, this is an this is an oligarchy. That's all this is. This is for the oligarchs. You are going to be run by the people. Well, well, not by the people's representatives. I mean, we have a House of Representatives, right, Stu? Don't we? Right, right. Right, representing our needs. Representing our needs. Mm-hmm. They don't have freezer full of ice cream in freezers that most people can't afford. I mean, you no. know what I'm saying? And multiple f- freezers in the same kitchen. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. They are just like you, and they represent you, okay? So it would never happen in America where the people who get power become suddenly very, very rich and even more powerful. And then they start making new laws and dismissing laws for their friends, for the businesses that are helping them. Like, for instance, we would never have social media here going around the Constitution and doing things that constitutionally the government should say, hey, hold on. You can't limit speech. You can't just deperson people. You'd think those representatives, well, I know in our country, those representatives would represent the people, right? I'm sure they would. Okay. So there are types of capitalism. Okay. This is, the, this, this is from the World Economic Forum. Types of capitalism. State capitalism. That's where the government is the key stakeholder. Government steers the economy and can intervene where necessary. It's China's model, right? Russia's model, in theory. Mm, yeah. Kind of. Yeah. State capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, business interests are subsidiary to state interests. Okay. So if the state says we're going to do something, the businesses have to do it. That's state capitalism. Now, what we have is shareholder capitalism. Where the key stakeholders are the company shareholders. You buy into the company. The social responsibility of that business is just to increase its profits. <laughs> Short-term profit maximization is the highest good. And who really touted this? Milton Friedman. Oh, jeez, mm. I hate him. Now, here's the new one. Unlike anything else that I've just... This is completely new. Mm. 
Stakeholder capitalism. Who are the key stakeholders? All stakeholders matter equally. Wow, that's really good. That sounds great. I love equality. Right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so everybody matters. All right. Um, key characteristic. Society's goal is to increase the well-being of people and the planet. So the implication for the companies, focus on long-term value creation and ESG measures. Oh, wow. This sounds really great. I like that. All stakeholders matter, matter equally. Okay, so now let's get into who defines stakeholders. Yesterday I said, this is the governments of the world coming together and working with big businesses. The governments get power. The big businesses, they get money. And you lose. Um, Peter Van Ham. Peter Van Ham. Hi, it's me, Peter Van Ham from the World Economic Forum. Here's my friend, Klaus Schwab. <laughs> And I'm Peter. Wait, 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 what accent is this exactly? <laughs> what could you describe? I, I don't. I don't know okay. exactly. <laughs> Just making it up as I go. Okay. Peter Schwab. <laughs> Peter. Wait, no. Peter Van Ham. Mm. So. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I'm sorry. You're making Peter. me like him more. I don't, I don't think I'm supposed to like this guy, and you're making me like him with his accent. <laughs> and over here, we have beautiful paintings. <laughs> he seems delightful. He does, yeah. doesn't he? Have some Venus all wrapped up in little blankets. <laughs> so um, Peter uh, tweeted. Now he's the he's the co-author of uh, Stakeholder Capitalism. A global economy that works for progress, people, and planet. Klaus Schwab. And Peter Von Ham. So he writes, we address the false notion that any global elites, quote, the corporations and world leaders Glenn Beck talks about, should rule this system. Instead, we plead for subsidiary meaning that decisions are made at the most granular level. Local stakeholders should decide. Oh, that's why my mayor of my little town is in Davos. <laughs> Wait, oh, there's like, no mayors of little towns no, in Davos. I was trying to get a hold of the city council just the other day, and they were all like, we're at Davos, <laughs> working on stakeholder capitalism. Really? Yeah, mm. yeah, okay. So th- this is, because it's so local, it's going to take power away from centralized government? Right. All of the huh. prime ministers and all the big corporations are there, and my city council member, they are lecturing them right now really? on the ski slopes yeah wow with the little wieners <laughs> in the blankets Peter says this is not propaganda as glenn beck asserts mm-hmm. so this guy is this guy's at the world economic forum in davos with the with the wieners in the in the blankets and he's texting this to me okay This is not propaganda, as Glenn Beck asserts. Subsidiary and stakeholder capitalism are approximated in Western European countries like Scandinavia, Benelux. Benelux? I've never even heard of Benelux. And Germany. Oh. Business and governments consult with one another on wages and social security, etc. 
and governments. Now, listen to this. This is how they get to you. Because you're a stakeholder in this. You're a stakeholder. And governments made up of representatives of the people regulate the markets in part to avoid the market concentration and formation of any law unlawful ogalopoly. Mm. And by the way, Glenn, just to reiterate how local this is. Yeah. Uh, Benelux yeah. is the combination of three nations, Belgium, Netherlands and Luxembourg. Oh, but it's okay. so local. It cares so much about the local uh, <laughs> right. control right. here. They've only just, you know, brought those three nations and just count them as one. Well, thing. I bet that people I bet that was driven by the people. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm sure it was. Um, when populists on the right and left claim that they at least agree they dislike global elites, they miss a much larger fundamental disagreement that they have over the kind of economic and political system that's needed to avoid the oligarchy they both fear. The system we propose is one of stakeholder capitalism. It's capitalism as it recognized the benefits of private enterprise, competition and market forces. But it's a model of consultation with the people, meaning the governments, because we're all represented. Right. Don't you feel like don't you feel like our government listens and responds to you, Mm. the little people? (laughs) <laughs> I know I do. Um, and it, it's a model of consultation. And I love this. And this is really important. It's a model of consultation with the people and the planet. Hang on. Quiet. I'm consulting with the planet right now. Shut up. Really? Oh, uh, I mean, you're. Positive. I don't want to make a mistake on this one. All right. Uh, Stu, the planet said you have to throw yourself into a volcano. Really? Yeah. I yeah. would not be surprised. So I'm just I'm just on. I'm just taking consultation and listening to the planet. That's what I'm doing. So and I believe if I go to the representatives in Washington, I believe I could convince a lot of them that you should throw yourself <laughs> into a volcano if you're tied to me. Yes. If you're tied directly mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. So, Peter, thank you so much, darling, for writing in. That's wonderful. But what? we don't like it. We don't like it. It's, uh, I don't know. I like my mayor, you know, and maybe the local boss of the uh, local restaurant. Mm, I'm just saying. Although your wieners in a blanket are wonderful. Let me go over. <laughs> you can't hmm? possibly believe that we should try, let's say, kind of an experiment of uh, people governing themselves. You wouldn't think that would be appropriate, that people should make decisions based on their own no, self-interest. They don't, know. And- they don't know. They're not smart enough. They're not mm-hmm. smart enough. What we need are these world leaders. Right. And, and quite honestly, yesterday, I, I'm going to give you this quote, uh, yesterday at the World Economic Forum in Davos, um, they said that uh, let me see here bah, 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 bah. the in fact i have the audio instead of reading it let me give you the audio it is beninoff yes mark beninoff ceo of uh i don't know uh people that do stuff for you.com here's what he here's what he said at davos yesterday ceos around the world need to realize they must manage for all stakeholders not just shareholders and there has been a mantra for too long that the business of business is business. But today, the business about business is improving the state of the world. 
And this is more important than ever. We realize that. And so thank you, Klaus, for that. And we don't have to look any farther to that mantra than 2020 itself, the year of the pandemic. In the pandemic, it was CEOs in many, many cases all over the world who were the heroes. They are the ones who step forward with their financial resources, their corporate resources, their employees, their factories, (sighs) and pivoted rapidly. Yes. Not for profit. Right. But to save the world. Right. That is so that is so true. Finally, somebody's saying it. The CEOs are the heroes. Amen. Amen to that. Now, the secretary general of the OECD said, we don't want to return to normal. I mean, don't you feel that way? We don't want to return to normal. We don't want COVID to end and for us to return to some form of status quo because the status quo caused this, brought us here to our knees. Those wishing to return to normal must inherently wish for disease and destruction to return and must secretly wish for death in the future. Oh, man. Prime Minister of Spain said, let's not delude ourselves. There can be no social justice without tax justice. Now, there's a guy speaking for all of us, huh? It's time to go one step further. It's not enough to distribute income more fairly through taxation, but take serious steps to ensure equal distribution of wealth to all people, all races, and all nations. Prime Minister of Spain yesterday. Man, I, let me tell you something. This is an organ. I was wrong. Peter, thank you. Uh, This is absolutely an organization of we the people. I'm going to show you how we were actually warned by one of our presidents uh, in recent modern history about this very thing. Coming up in just a second. Blinds.com is... um, is uh, is our sponsor this half hour you can do something about those old window blinds you know the ones that look like somebody flew an airplane through them yeah yeah blinds.com best in the business right now they're offering huge savings on everything site-wide including blinds shades interior shutters even outdoor shades whether you're looking for blackout shades or that perfect glow you can choose from a beautiful array of options and they're going to be customized just for your home Blinds.com. Guaranteed perfect fit, whether you do it yourself or have them handle the install from start to finish. Don't wait to save. Take advantage of Blinds.com's incredible New Year's savings event. Kick off 2021 by turning your dream home into a reality with a brand new view you can all enjoy all year long. Start today. Visit Blinds.com now. Save big on the New Year's easiest home improvement project. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's Blinds.com. 10 seconds. Station ID. You know, um, Eisenhower, President Eisenhower, General Dwight D. Eisenhower, the guy, you know, that really kind of won the war for us in World War II. In his farewell address, uh, it, people miss the point. And, and this is something that you know. You know one line from it. You know this line about the, um, the um, uh, military-industrial complex. And a military-industrial complex will rule the world. We've, we've all heard that over and over again. He is speaking with real foresight. 
He had learned about the power of large corporations, had discovered that public and private power tend to prioritize their own interest and well-being over ours. Right now, in 2021, America needs to hear his words again. We finally have an answer to the question, what happens when corporations are in league with government programs? We know now. The bad news is our nation is turning into an oligarchy. Exactly like Eisenhower warned. Everybody remembers his comments about the military industrial complex, but he also warned us about something else. Dangerous merging of industry and government and education. Listen into and largely responsible for the sweeping changes in our industrial military posture has been the technological revolution during recent decades. In this revolution, research has become central. It also becomes more formalized, complex, and costly. A steadily increasing share is conducted for, by, or at the direction of the federal government. Today, the solitary inventor, tinkering in his shop, has been overshadowed by task forces of scientists in laboratories and testing fields. In the same fashion, the free university, historically the fountainhead of free ideas and scientific discovery, has experienced a revolution in the conduct of research. Partly because of the huge costs involved, a government contract becomes virtually a substitute for intellectual curiosity. You hear that? They're not curious about things. They just follow the money. Technological revolution resulted in its own family tree of industrial complexes. Do I have enough time here to play the education industrial complex? Listen. The prospect of domination of the nation's scholars by federal employment, project allocations, <laughs> and the power of money is ever present and is gravely to be regarded. Yet in holding scientific research and discovery in respect, as we should, we must also be alert to the equal and opposite danger that public policy could itself become the captive of a scientific technological elite. Hmm. Huh. I can't imagine that happening. This is him in the 1950s warning exactly against something like the Great Reset. I want you to do your own homework, their own words, spell it out. You know, it's interesting how they just keep referring to stakeholders as you. But what you need to understand, you are only representative, represented by the government. This is the Glenn Beck program. All right. We have Ken Paxton on uh, coming up in just a second. He's going to tell us about uh, one of the lawsuits they just won against Biden here in the great state of Texas. What if you had a time machine that could allow you to go back at any moment in your past? What moments would you relive? You don't have a time machine, but we do have old photos and videos and films, the videotapes and audio tapes. All those moments that were captured now sit in a box in your garage, a jumble of bygone formats. Now, here's the good news. Legacy Box can transform that old box of fading memories into something lasting. You use their kit to safely send the moments you want to preserve. And their team will create a digital collection, and then it comes back to you, stored on the cloud, a thumb drive, DVD, all with the original content that you sent. 
If you wanted to do this yourself, it would cost you hundreds of dollars. But right now you can save 50% and start for as little as 39 bucks. It's LegacyBox.com slash back. Take advantage of this limited time offer. Get 50% off. LegacyBox.com slash back. You know you've wanted to do this for a long time. Do it right now. Save 50%. LegacyBox.com slash back. And go to blazetv.com slash Glenn. The promo code is Glenn. You're going to save 30 bucks off your subscription to Blaze TV. Do it now. Two weeks ago on TV, we talked about government and private industry coming together in the Biden administration. They're just getting started. Every time you open a closet at the Biden White House, there's another special interest skeleton that tumbles out. Tonight, we're going to take a look at the major stakeholders who have their tentacles all over this White House. The new Biden administration already showing America the natural end result that comes from decades of being dominated by special interest groups. Eventually, you get government that at the top is so beholden to these groups, you can call them stakeholders. The stakeholders have vested interest in the actions and policies of the government, financial interest, ideological interest, often both. These stakeholders always take priority over you and me. Tonight, I'll show you the stakeholders in this new stakeholder capitalism and the Biden administration, what they want, who they're working with inside the Biden administration, 9 p.m. Eastern on BlazeTV.com and BlazeTV YouTube. 9 p.m. Eastern, BlazeTV.com or BlazeTV YouTube. We have Ken Paxton with us. Um, he is the uh, 51st Attorney General of uh, Texas. He has uh, fought and won many of the cases against um Barack Obama's administration, and they've just posted their first victory on the Biden administration, the first one to bring a lawsuit. And within six days, Texas has halted uh, Biden's illegal deportation freeze. Joining us now is Ken Paxton. Hi, Ken. How are you? I'm doing well. Good morning. It's been a fast start, hasn't it? Uh, uh, it is breathtaking how quickly things are changing. Uh, and, and quite honestly, we were talking about it in the break. A little frightening. Um, it, 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 I agree. It is frightening. It's, it's, I've never, I don't think it's ever happened this fast. I mean, I think uh, Biden is off to the fastest start of any president and just uh, issuing executive orders and changing sort of what we had going. Yeah, he had a, uh, he's had a record of, uh, I think, 38, uh, which just smashes all the other records of uh, executive orders. He's signing more today. This one, uh, they are going to preserve I don't know what that means exactly. I, I fear I do. I've read Agenda 2030. Preserve 30% of all federal land by 2030. I don't, that's not uh, good. I don't know exactly what that means, but that doesn't sound good. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. First, let's talk about the win that you had. Um, tell me about the lawsuit and, and what it means. So we had a, a, an agreement that we signed with the Department of Homeland Security recently that said that if they were going to change major immigration policies, that we were going to be provided uh, notice. Um, and so obviously the executive order that came out that ended all deportations and the invitation for people to cross the border uh, didn't meet those, uh, those requirements. And so we filed a lawsuit on uh, President Biden's third day 
And we challenged that executive order, not just based on that agreement, but also based on the fact that federal law requires him to do certain things that he has said now he will not do. And so we argue that he violated federal law and his constitutional duty to enforce the laws that now exist. And so what did the judge say? So the judge basically gave us, we were asking for a preliminary injunction, uh, a temporary injunction first. Uh, We're going to seek a permanent injunction next. And we did that because we had to show that there was harm to the state of Texas if this went forward while we were litigating the merits of the case. So we haven't won the merits of the case. We've merely made a good argument showing that we will suffer irreparable harm as a state if this goes forward. And it, it wasn't hard for us to show that given that we already have a mass of people coming up from the southern border essentially have COVID, that potentially have other communicable diseases, that potentially are criminals, and that will cost the state of Texas billions of dollars. And so that harm was not hard to show, in my opinion. So how are you going to argue for permanent, uh, especially with the way this administration is moving, where social justice uh, outweighs everything. Well, it's it's going to be pretty much the same argument. It, it, just to say we are going to suffer damage. We need time to to have this question answered as to whether the president is violating federal law by stopping the you know the implementation of what is federal law. Is, is it can he do that? And and the the argument that we need uh, time or we will be harmed. Still, it's the exact same argument, just that we need longer to decide the merits of the case. So, but 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 wait, what what I'm saying is, if if you're arguing, and uh, you know Biden, this is all changing now. We're not talking about rule of law anymore. We're talking about uh, social justice outweighing absolutely everything. If they um, if they win, and he can just say we're not going to do any of that. A, isn't that what they've already done with, with uh, you know, we're not going to enforce, you know, busts on pot. So haven't they already done that? And if they do uh, codify this in the courts, then doesn't this make him in some ways a dictator to where he could just administratively do whatever the president can, not just Biden, but any president could just do whatever they want. And it never has to go through legislation. No, you've, you've hit the nail on the head, and it, it means literally that Congress becomes almost irrelevant, the courts become not so relevant, and the states that are supposed to have all these powers reserved to them that are not specifically granted to the federal government also lose their power. It does become a real focus on one person having all of the power, which clearly was not what our framers intended. So, Ken, I've talked to other attorney generals uh, around the country, and they are as just as concerned as I am. And I, I'm, I'm wondering, I know many of them are all working together to try to stop this onslaught. Um, but is there, is there any conversation about a, a sanctuary state of, of not secession or anything like that, but just saying this state will not violate the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. And if you try to do these things that are unconstitutional, this is a safe haven, a sanctuary state for rights. You know, it's interesting that conversation has not come up among the AGs specifically, but I was at a conference with 
technology leaders around the country. And, and most of them were actually pointing to that by saying they were either considering or they were on their way or they had already moved to Texas or Florida because they felt like those were states that they could go and be safe and that, that, that this, the risk in the states that they're in is, is becoming untenable for them. And they're trying to find a safe haven where they will be, where their rights will be respected, and they will have continuing opportunities to work. Uh, and I mean, how do we do that? They are already talking about, you know, if you're depersoned, that you won't. What was it? The head of Mastercard said yesterday, "We don't have to do business with just anybody." Meaning, if we don't, <clears throat> if we don't like the business that they're in, <clears throat> we can just say we're not doing business with them anymore. And this is a growing trend. And when it comes to businesses like mine or for anybody that is unpopular, uh, this is extraordinarily dangerous. It, it, are the states, will Texas stand behind the universal God-given rights that we have always stood with? We will in my office. You know, I'm part of you know, I'm part of the entire state. I'm not the entire state, but we will at my office. That's why we are now investigating the five companies that were related to the parlor deplatforming because we want to understand how, how can they, how are they doing this? How how do they have the authority to just deplatform a whole company because they disagree with their their views or they disagree with the people that they allow to speak? Are you and the governor having conversations at all about? critical race theory to make sure that's not being taught in our schools? Well, I haven't had those conversations. So I, that's not an area that I can do much about as attorney general, um, unless there's some specific violation of law. My job is to enforce whatever laws we have. So I always have to look for my way of getting into court. Well, we can't, all... we can't teach discrimination in schools, can we? No. But that, that would be a, probably if they were teaching discrimination law school, law, uh, in schools, that would be a probably a, a lawsuit by an aggrieved party, a student, a parent who okay. said, hey, I, I, you can't do this in, in this school. And then it becomes under your purview. Well, so then if the school asks me to represent them and I think they're wrong, I say no. I can't, I'm not representing you. This is a legitimate lawsuit, and, and you need to be accountable for doing the right thing. Okay. What, do you have any advice for what the average person should be doing right now in their state? A absolutely. I think they should be speaking out. I think that the, the more voices that are speaking out, because what is going to happen, my concern is, you know, they go after the president, and people don't say anything. If we, if we keep quiet right now, if people are afraid to speak, which I see some of this, I see some of this with you know, some of my fellow AGs, I see this in a lot of circles. People are afraid that if they speak out, they'll be deplatformed or they'll be canceled. So if we if we don't all speak out, if we don't address these election issues in states where there was, you know, they weren't following their their own laws, we have to address that now or it will be too late. They will come and deplatform all of us. And if you think you're going to hide from that, you're not going to hide from it. They may get to somebody else first. But unless we're all working together, it's going to be a problem. Ken, thank you very much. Uh, thank Absolutely. you for thanks for staying on top of things and thank the governor for us as well. We are counting on uh, our state reps and our governor and you to stand and fight the good fight against 
this onslaught that is coming uh, our way quickly. I'll say this, Glenn, if Texas doesn't fight, if we are in the middle of this fight, um, I don't think we have much hope. I think it's Texas has to be in the fight. Texas has got to. I mean, I've, I've talked to sheriffs and they've said, if I have to deputize every single citizen in my county, so they have the right to carry a gun. We're not backing. We're not backing down. It's got Texas must. I mean, it's really sad. I talked to Christy Nome and I'm like, you know, I'm a little embarrassed. Texas should be knocking you into the dust right now. Uh, we need to be Texas. We need to stand and be very clear and be a leader for freedom. It's supposed to be the Alamo. Agree. Thank you yep. very much. Absolutely. Agree. Thanks, <clears throat> Appreciate it. Ken Paxton, Attorney General of uh, Texas. If you're a cyber criminal, you're going to have to get up pretty early in the morning if you want to pull a fast one on, uh, you know, on some of us, on some of us. Uh, I don't want to challenge anyone, but uh, every time I sit down on my uh, my computer, I've got a uh, I've got rubber gloves on. I wear a mask. Uh, I wash with antibacterial. So I'm not getting one of those viruses. I'm not going to do it. And uh, now you're really healthy. Yeah, I don't want to. You know, I don't I don't want to say it out loud, but I might as well get off my digital lawn, you <laughs> bums. The real reason that you shouldn't be worried about getting viruses or anything else and losing your identity is because you have LifeLock identity, uh, anti-identity theft protection. You have uh, somebody that is monitoring your transactions. Yeah, okay, bank or the credit card will do that. But that, that's not nearly enough. First of all, nobody can do all of that. Um, and if you want to keep what's yours, yours, you need to make sure that you have your identity l- locked up. Lock up your life with LifeLock. Join now. Save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with the promo code BECK. Call and use 1-800-LIFELOCK. Use the promo code BECK or head over to LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BECK and you're going to save 25% off now. Promo code BECK 1-800-LIFELOCK or LifeLock.com. There seems to be something illegal happening, but it's not illegal. Uh, apparently reddit <laughs> is pushing stocks and uh gamestop has gone through the roof i mean like yeah crazy I mean, amounts gamestop of course a uh brick and mortar largely mall based physical video game retailer uh-huh. not exactly the best business to be in in 2020 and 2021 it's been sitting at about five bucks a share throughout entire 20 of 2020 and uh, there's a there's a Reddit message board called Wall Street Bets. It's been around for a long time. They take really risky bets and they talk about them. You know, it's been around for a while. And there's been lots of really interesting stories that have developed out of this message board over the years. This one, they decided one guy decided to invest fifty thousand um, dollars because he saw something interesting in the GameStop uh, trading world, which was everyone predictably was shorting GameStop stock they all thought it was going to go to zero which is seemingly where it should have be should be going probably mm-hmm. at this point uh so these billion dollar hedge funds multi-billion dollar hedge funds came in and they were able to identify that there was not a lot of shares available that they had actually shorted more shares than were available in the entire stock so if they could get if they could get enough people to just start buying this stock it would go up and it would it would trip a bunch of different tripwires that make 
people buy the stock back to cover their positions. So they would buy the stock back, then it would just keep going up and up and up and up and up, and it's, it's what's called a short squeeze. Um, but it is a, it's a little bit complicated to go through the details of it, but it doesn't really matter. The bottom line is this: they were able to push this stock from $5 to this morning it hit $350 a share. That is crazy. In, in, in a matter, I mean, really, it's all happened within the last week or two. So if you're GameStop... I mean, are you freaking out? Because it's going to it'll collapse once everybody's made their money. It shouldn't. It's not valued. Yeah. The big that. the big hedge funds they were targeting finally gave up and said, all right, we're pulling all of our money out. I mean, they basically beat this hedge fund. Now, all of this sounds very fun and it is really fun in some ways. Like these guys basically, you know, David taking down Goliath in some ways. And they're looking they like it because they don't like some of these billionaires. They don't like some of these hedge funds, what they do to companies. There's a there's a sort of. I don't know, almost a left-wing anti-capitalist mm-hmm. message in here as well. The other side of this, though, is that when things like this happen to a lot of billionaires and a lot of people, by the way, also, you know, teachers unions and uh, pension funds and all the things that are wrapped up in these hedge funds, uh, when they don't ha- no longer have a retirement, the government see- usually cracks down on such things. And you could see this going the opposite way really fastly from happy, happiness to sadness. Um, we'll see what happens, but it's now down from 350 to 270, so it's Jeez. already started to drop again. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating thing to watch and has been so far. How'd you like to be an employee at GameStop? This is the Glenn Beck Program.